There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Well, good afternoon and welcome to The Grill. We're broadcasting live from Barasti, where the game is always on at Barasti Beach. If you would like to find out more online, uh, or come on down here and be part of proceedings. We've got for you three hours of sporting intrigue along with The Grill panel. Uh, Euro qualifiers, they're on from 5pm this afternoon. We'll have a look back at some of the results from last night and, of course, look ahead to the big games taking place throughout the course of this afternoon and this evening. Italian Grand Prix qualifying uh, tragedy in the Belgian Grand last week. Um, how will the uh, world of Formula One bounce back uh, after the uh, troubles of the last seven days? Uh, we will keep an eye on it Italy and see how things go at Monza with the qualifying on there. England attempt to avoid the follow-on in day four of the Old Trafford test, which is being shown down here at Barasti at the moment. So get yourself down here. Bangladesh against Afghanistan. Test match between those two nations also ongoing at present. Uh, teams uh, conclude their World Cup warm-ups in the world of rugby. Australia against Samoa is on as we speak. We've got Ireland against Wales to look forward to a little later on. And the top 14 action as well from 5.30pm this afternoon. Uh, it's the women's final at the US Tennis Championships. It's an American versus a Canadian. We'll have a big preview of that one a little later on. A European Open ongoing over in Germany at the moment. NFL season openers, special guests talking about all things American sport. Uh, and of course, we will be reflecting on a rather special event down in Abu Dhabi. In fact, not just reflecting, we'll be hearing from it and crossing live straight after the show. Chris McCarty, Robbie Greenfield, will be painting the picture and setting the scene ahead of UFC 242. In the course of his reign over the UFC's lightweight division, the snapshots paint a terrifying picture. He's dangerous, he's undefeated. Habib Nurmagomedov mauls people. He's where fighters learn over their own mortality. He's going to break his arm. Hit it's all over. Where delusions get turned inside out. Where lights go out and bodies go down. He is relentless. He is ruthless. Where grown men take cover. He's melting. That's it. Still undefeated. And even the biggest threats oh! are toppled in the tide. He's got it. It's under the neck. There's the tap. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Look at him screaming at the corner. Oh, no. All hell has broken loose. Through 27 straight victories, the question grows more intense. Has the man yet been created that can beat Habib? And if so, what does he look like? This is what I do. I live for this. Khabib, it's time. Tonight, as the UFC returns to Abu Dhabi on the banks of the Persian Gulf, a presence will be felt. A high-powered juggernaut of striking prowess. Poirier poured it on. That is it. Poirier tied knockout. A mean and driven challenger who has heard all about the invincibility and with the undisputed UFC lightweight championship on the line has made it his personal mission to destroy it. I want to stop this guy. I want to submit him. I want to knock him out. Oh! And I'll show you I'm the best in the world. When you're undefeated, a lot of people want to watch how you lose, but nobody can beat me. But first, it's a lightweight showdown between two of the most explosive fighters going. The highlight reel Brazilian... Again. Who has scored some of the most memorable finishes in UFC history? Another highlight for the real. Dees off with the Irish Dragon, a vicious contender who is elbowing his way foe by foe. And now those patented builder elbows raining down all the way to the top. Knocks the elbows. elbows. Wow! The Irish Dragon. What a finish from Paul Felder! And finally, it's time to unleash hell. The Diamond of Louisiana, winner of five straight, and ready to do what no man has done before, to take out the Colossus himself, the mighty undefeated heart of Dagestan, who has stood with the best and defeated the best, in earning the distinction of being the best lightweight of all time. Tonight, from Yas Island, Abu Dhabi, in the United Arab Emirates, it's UFC 242, Habib versus Poirier, and it starts right now. 
This is The Grill. On Dubai I 103.8. It does start right now, right here, because we've got three hours of build-up with the grill panel and, of course, encouraging you to have your say as well. Text us on 4001 at Barasti Beach if you want to know where we are for the next three hours at Dubai iSports and at Dubai i1038FM. Do share your thoughts with us. Do come on down to Barasti and join in the fun. The fun which will be, of course, fueled uh, by our two grill panellists this afternoon. Uh, two men who I'm sure are looking forward uh, in their own respective ways to all things UFC 242. It's a warm welcome uh, to Ross Christ and Carlos van Rosenveld. Carl, looking forward to the big one down in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a couple, couple of mean lads out there, should I rather say, Tom. And yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I think Khabib has shown what he's all about. And of course, who would forget those incidents after the McGregor fight? And let's hope they don't repeat themselves. But I think he's going to be so, so difficult to stop. And it's just fantastic to see an event like this in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, indeed it is. We'll have build-up with Chris McCarty, Robbie Greenfield. They're broadcasting live down there. Once we go off-air, they're on-air. Uh, Christo, I don't need to ask. You're very much excited about this. UFC is your thing. Can anybody beat him? Yeah, I think someone will beat him. I don't think it's going to be Dustin Poirier, and we'll talk about that a little bit later today. But this is certainly the biggest fight we've ever had out here in this country. So it's a big thing for the United Arab Emirates, the Emirate of Abu Dhabi, and all of us as fight fans. For those of you wanting to tune in, the early prelims will start at 6.15 tonight. Then the prelims will start at 8 o'clock, and the main card should be around 10 o'clock tonight. So Robbie and Chris, I hope they got their coffees next to them. But everyone's going to be tuning in for the main event, Dustin Poirier, Going against Khabib. Khabib coming into this one at 155. Poirier also at 155. Poirier has a little bit more of a reach with a 72-inch reach, going against the 70-inch 70 70-inch 70 reach. Uh, Khabib's doing the orthodox stance, he, and Poirier's coming from the southpaw. So this should be just an, an epic showdown. I do see Khabib winning this one, but who knows? Dustin Poirier has on a five-match win streak, and he's doing very, very well as of late. He is one of the best lightweights out there, the number two contender, certainly in the UFC, this will be a great, great spectacle come 10 p.m. tonight, Tom. Yeah, looking forward to that one. As you said, lots of chat about that one. Uh, bad news for England cricket fans. Uh, he is human. Ben Stokes out uh, in the last few moments. That's two wickets down for England. Uh, early on today in the morning session over in what is a gloomy Manchester, Old Trafford. England still uh, trading by 254. Still need another 54 runs to avoid the follow-on as well. And they're down to the bare bones. Uh, Josh Butler at the crease. And he'll be joined, I'm assuming, by Jofra Archer. We'll wait and see in a few moments' time. But England struggling at the moment. Uh, ben Stokes just uh, chipping off, uh, caught in the slips, caught him by, yeah, you guessed it, that man, Steve Smith. Um, so we'll have keep an eye on that one for you and of all the other sport as well. Just want to get your thoughts as well, Christo, back on UFC 242. Because, I mean, there's been a long-standing relationship between UFC and Abu Dhabi. Uh, we've had fights here, but it's you know been the best part, what, 10 years now since they've been back as well. Uh, do you think that we'll, uh, when that happened, I was here and I remember people saying, yeah, there's going to be a lot more now. And we're going to see a lot more uh, inclusion here when it comes to UFC, etc., and in terms of the partnerships as well. Um, are we going to see more of that now, do you think? You would, you'd certainly hope so. And I can't speak to 10 years' time because I've only been in the region six years here, Tom. But one thing that I've really liked that the UFC has done and the government of Abu Dhabi has done is they did this showdown festival yeah. this whole entire week. And I know you were a part of that <laughs> at the burger-eating competition, but we digress a little bit. But they've made it more of a, of a weekend, just not a 10 o'clock show up for the fight type of thing. We had the Red Hot Chili Peppers here this week. I mean, we had some food spectacles as as timeout was putting on we had some mma yesterday at the do forum we have the abu dhabi muscle show tagging on to this and they are all kind of you know, making this more of not just a one day uh thing it's more of a week week long extravaganza and i really think it picked up i really think uh the the people that went down there really enjoyed it and it was a good good experience so hopefully the ufc can build on this the the government of abu dhabi the government of dubai and all of us here in the united arab emirates because we love our fighting out here uh, the locals love their fighting expats love their fighting so there's no reason why we shouldn't have more fights out here one of the big things i'm interested to watch will be post fight will be pay-per-view buys because traditionally we have these fights in the usa we have them in las vegas during las vegas time and they claim 
claim that this that's the highest peak time that you get the most amount of buys. So now we're running on GST time. While this thing is running at 10 o'clock, people can get up early in America and watch it. I'm just interested to see the results of that. That will be a big telling sign if we're going to have more fights out here because, of course, the fight needs to make money. Yeah, they're going to watch on with interest on that one. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because uh, we're seeing UFC come back to Abu Dhabi and and the same weekend, we've also seen the sort of confirmation press conference uh, or the initial press conference to confirm a big fight nights coming to Saudi Arabia with the Ruiz against Joshua fight, which is scheduled for December as well. But it looks like we're on with that one. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, I think that is such an important fight because you're speaking to a lot of people in the know-how. Anthony Joshua, if he loses that fight in, in Saudi Arabia come December, a lot of questions will be around his career and the future of his boxing career. And a lot of people are now saying, Anthony Joshua loses that fight in the kingdom come December, that's his career over. So it's going to be a lot of pressure. I think it's fantastic that these big events are coming to the GCC. And I think it's also fantastic. We saw Saudi Arabia last year with the first European golf tour. They're now bringing this fight night, that one of the biggest, well, I would say the biggest heavyweight fights of the year. It's coming to the kingdom. So I think a lot of positives. Uh, especially from a sporting perspective, that's happening within the GCC. I mean, we've had the sort of, goes without saying, doesn't it, Christo? You can have a few contractual issues and uh, a little sort of denying going on from certain uh, uh, fighters and promoters as well. But I'm assuming after that press conference, what, 48 hours, 24 hours ago uh, in the kingdom that we're on, yeah? Yeah, it's 100% on. This is going to be a good rematch. Everyone's going to tune in for this one. Anthony Ruiz Jr., massive upset, knockdown victory of Anthony Joshua. No one saw this one coming. What's going to happen in the next fight? I'll tell you what Mr. Ruiz has been doing since he's won that fight. He's done more interviews than any heavyweight boxer in the history, really? history of heavyweight boxing. Really? He's, he's been on every Tonight Show. He's been on every morning show. He's doing the prices right. He's everywhere from morning to, to, to evening on U.S. television. Also, he got a nice little paycheck. So far, he's bought a brand new home and a few Rolls Royces. He's already said he's spent most of the millions that he's, uh, that he's earned. So he's coming he training? He's, he's coming into this training? one. Well, but, but he didn't, he didn't he's train never, for the first He's fight. never really big, big on the training in the, first, <laughs> in the first place, has he? I mean, you're, you're not looking at that guy looking at washboard abs like you are Anthony Joshua. Something about this guy, he's a good brawler, and he, he makes Joshua uncomfortable in the ring, which we saw. But it has been nice seeing someone... I guess just enjoying the fruits of their their victory and he's he seemed to just be in love with winning this fight. Who knows? It could have been a fluke. It could it, it, we'll find out here when they do the rematch, but it just it just seems like he's riding on cloud 9, but he has said after the interview this is the week he's back in the training and he's going to hit the gym hard so hopefully he comes back in a little bit better shape than the first fight. <laughs> He is a character, I'll give you that. He's good for the boxing world, that's for sure, because he seems to be very open, he seems to be very sort of passionate. Um, and uh, he has been uh, something of a, a draw, uh, as was proven uh, during the official launch uh, press conference first, a couple of days. First Mexican heavyweight champion in the history of boxing. Exactly that, so yeah. that's huge. He's a good character. Uh, he's larger than life in more ways than one. So let's, let's see and hear what he had to say at the official announcement of the heavyweight bout in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia on December the 7th has been a long weekend going here to there, but um, of course I'm ready for December 7th. I know AJ wants to get the belts back, they're mine, but you know, all this hard work and dedication that I've been doing all my life, and he, I know he's been doing for all this, you know, but December 7th, we're gonna win the same fashion. We've been training really hard. We're gonna start camp somewhere, but I don't know. We're, we're just excited for this fight. We've been, I feel like I've been saying the same thing over and over again, but I'm just excited. Those questions that AJ might have had from some of the public, do you still have that hunger? Some of those questions filtering into you. We talked about, you know, obviously the new mansion, the Rolls Royce, the Rolex, the ice on the wrist, all things you deserve, you know. You did it. You, you know, you got that win and you deserved those things. The motivation's still very much there for you. You feel that this is only the beginning for Andy Ruiz. Of course it is. You know, these are just material stuff that I always wanted, you know, especially the house for my kids, my loved ones. This is what I do it for, for my kids. My, me and him sacrifice. We sacrifice our, our lives in there. Um, but, of course, I still have that hunger. I just got these belts. You think I want to lose them right away hell no so 
that's why me and Manny are going to go to the gym. We're going to be training really hard. I know AJ's going to come hard, so that's why it gives me the extra motivation to be even more, more better. But, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. There's no fear in this. Um, it's just crazy how I made my dreams come true. You just, it's just crazy. Everybody doubted me since I was a little kid, you know. And there's times where I wanted to quit. There's times that I wanted to quit, but having my dad and, and the right people around me um, telling me to keep pursuing that I'm going to be champion, even when I didn't believe it but when I was younger. But I think the, the main thing is believing and doing what you love and something that you want to accomplish and you, you sacrifice, because that's what it's all about. It's about sacrificing and giving it all you got. I've been doing this since I was six years old. My first amateur, I was seven years old. This is the only thing that I know, like, to do, besides working with my dad in the construction. And December 7th, the belts are going to be in the air. Um, it's either me or him. But my mindset in there, I'm motivated. I feel Anthony's trying to take my, uh, my kids' Cheerios, you know. So um, that's why it gives me the extra motivation. And tell you the truth, the only... The only motivation that I have right now is with my kids and my loved ones. So um, if someone's trying to take that away from me, um, I'm going to die trying not to. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. Uh, right, we usually keep you updated with what's going on in the live sports at the moment. No qualifying for uh, Monza just yet, but I'll put you in the picture of that as soon as we get it. Uh, the cricket is ongoing at present. Uh, England not had the best of mornings thus far. Uh, both Stokes and Bairstow falling to the Australians. Uh, England uh, 257, so that means they're 47 away from the follow-on. Uh, Butler's on 11. Uh, Archer, Joffre Archer, is on one not out. We will keep an eye on this one for you throughout proceedings. Uh, there's also rugby ongoing. Well, has it finished now? Australia? No, it's, it's still well up, up and going, Tom. And what I can tell you is Australia have taken the lead in the 72nd uh, minute. It's Australia leading Samoa 29 points to 15 tries by Adam Coleman, Marika Kulubete, Adam Ashley Cooper, Lucan Salikisa and Dale Halpetti converted by Bernard Foley. As I say, 73 minutes played. Australia leading Samoa, 29 points to 15, as Tom mentioned earlier on. Another big one coming up this afternoon. Ireland take on Wales and, of course, Canada take on the USA. Also, our condolences go out to the Williams family in South Africa. Chester Williams, a 1995 World Cup Euro for South Africa, tragically passed away yesterday from a heart attack at the age of 49 years old. So, uh, as I say, our deepest condolences to the Williams family down in Cape Town today. Yeah, it is news that has rocked South Africa. A lot of South Africans reacting to it. This is how it's broken. So the very sad news breaking a short while ago, Chester Williams has died of a heart attack in his 40s, another fallen sporting hero. And we've got Simon Burke in studio. So, so Chris Alda, I mean, he yeah. was one of the iconic faces of the 1995 Rugby World Cup, the only black player. And is it fair enough to say he, he was one of the memorable faces from that incredible season? I think uh, for South Africans, all South Africans who are getting to know rugby, Chester was that beacon of hope, of light. His face was on the side of a plane during the tournament. Uh, he was the big money spinner for uh, marketers, advertisers, wanting to give the Rainbow Nation a face. Chester Williams was that. He backed it up on the field with his play. He was a prolific try-scoring winger. Uh, when he entered the 1995 World Cup against Western Samoa, he scored four tries in that match. Now, Makazole Mapimpi scored three today against Japan. That was in a warm-up. Uh, four against Western Samoa in a quarterfinal. That was huge. That happened at Ellis Park. And that really 
set the team on its way. I mean, they got through the uh, the group stages. It was pretty dicey. They beat Australia, granted. But then they had two players sent home. They had a huge fight at the Battle of Butte Rasmus. The team wasn't in a great place. Chester then comes into the side, and he revolutionized it. And suddenly there was a real feeling of hope and positivity about where this team could go. And Lo and behold, the face that everybody wanted, yeah. Chester Williams, was the driving force that took them all the way through. Samuel, we'll be hearing much more uh, from you uh, regarding that. I'm sure tributes are going to continue to pour in over the next uh, couple of hours. Uh, if you've just joined us, breaking news now. Springbrook legend Chester Williams dies after suffering a heart attack. Uh, we'll give you much more on that. I'm sure there'll be lots more reaction coming from the uh, sporting fraternity as well. Absolutely devastating. Um, so let's get some reaction for uh, on that news because that was the as the news broke yesterday on uh, SABC. Um, he was revered as something of a national icon, wasn't he? Absolutely, Tom. I mean, you know, he he, he was the face of transformation in in South Africa, and uh, of course, there was big worry before the '95 World Cup. Those of the listeners that have watched Evictus, I'm sure there was many. Chester Williams actually came to the 95 World Cup with a hamstring injury and didn't play That's the right, opener yeah. against Australia. Peter Hendricks, of course, played that opener. And who would forget that iconic try when he went right around David Campisi through the salute to the crowd. And then somehow they, they, they got Chester Williams' hamstring ready. He then came in for the quarterfinal match against them. I was scoring those four tries, as the gentleman just said. And then, of course, just became this absolute legend of South Africa. Played 27 times. 27 test matches he played for South Africa between 1993 and 2000, scoring 14 tries in the interim. He's, of course, from Western Province, played a lot of his rugby in Western Province, and then later in his career um, moved up to the Cats. He also coached the Cats in the interim, coached South Africa Sevens as well as the Pumas. So, as you say, a true and true rugby man, absolute stalwart. But I think the big thing that Chester Williams will always be remembered for, as I say, is that fantastic transformation in South Africa through the 1995 World Cup where he actually became the poster boy of South African rugby. And as I say, a fantastic play in his day, a true, true gentleman and a big loss to the game. Not wanting to sort of dwell on conspiracy theories or anything like that, but it, it, there is something of a pattern. I mean, we talk about the 95 winning team. He's now the fourth member, fourth playing member of that team, fifth when you take into account coaches as well, who've sadly passed away, and I think we all agree, well before their time as well. It, it, is it something that's talked about in South Africa? Well, a lot of people are asking questions now because, you know, those four players that you've mentioned, James Small at the age of 50, Chester Williams at the age of 49, Jus van der Vestesen, I believe, was 46, and then, of course, Ruben Creer at the age of 39. And a lot of people are asking the question is, of course, this is when rugby became professional, you know, in, uh, after the 1995 World Cup, and a lot of people are saying, is it certain supplements that maybe these players took? Was it the transformation of, of, of the game? Was it that the, the programs that they were on that was a, a major change to their, to their body from the amateur to the professional career? And yeah, of course there's going to be conspiracy theories. Is, is there anything that we can put, put our finger on at this moment in time? No, we can't, Tom. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really strange that, as you say, if you look at a, 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 a team that was so influential to South African rugby that there's so many of the members of those, of those teams that are dying at a very, very young age. And as I said, you know, we don't have clear answers on that, but I guess that's going to be a question always asked. A true pioneer in South African rugby, a true pioneer in rugby as well. Uh, the tributes have been flooding in for Chester Williams. ENCA's Justin Ford is on the story for us this morning. He joins us now live from here, the Williams family home in Plattercliffe, Cape Town. And Justin, as you stand there this morning, that community grappling with the passing of a legend who they knew more intimately as a neighbour. Yeah, good morning, Tembekele. From a very quiet Plattercliffe um, suburb uh, out here in Cape Town. And as you mentioned, a, a very sombre mood. And, and the neighbours, uh, having spoken to, to, to one of them, we'll reference a bit later on, you know, just mentioning the fact that how the neighbours adore Chester Williams, not the, the rugby playing man, but just the man that he was in terms of his, his, his continuous smile, his, his greets in, as he would drive past them. Um, it's a very close-knit community and, and, and they, they, they speak often and definitely will be reeling this morning. And we are just a few sort of houses, two or three houses away potentially just behind me you can see and out of respect for the family we've decided to not camp out in front of their house um, but just reference the house behind us um, as as the family you know it's been just over 12 hours since since just the williams response and and a very very sad moment at, uh, during this time 
And that is what has shocked so many people, isn't it, Justin? Because just looking at tweets from people who worked with him at the University of the Western Cape seeing, saying they'd seen him just as recently as Thursday, and then on Friday night comes the news that he's died. Absolutely, and, and, and I can speak from personal experience as well, where as, as, as soon as last week and Wednesday, um, I had an interview with Chester Williams. He had launched this beer that, that was a trailblazer, um, and, and it speaks to Chester Williams, the man trailblazing, um, you know, the rugby field for players of colour. Um, way back in 1995, inspired so many. And what Chester Williams has done is he has developed a, a, a beer brand that has been exported to Japan. Um, and the only South African um, beer brand that was able to, 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 to be marketed or at least sold out in Japan. And having spoken to him at that moment in time, I just he just told me of his, his passion for his community and the reason for, 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 for his decision to, to, to put his name to a beer was to simply raise funds for his community um, of Paul and, and the, the proceeds of that, he was looking to use that to, to uplift that community and also potentially look at assisting future rugby players to, to, to put them through the necessary coaching and hopefully one day make it big in the field as well. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's a very, very big, big shock to, to, to many. Um, I have spoken to a few of his UWC colleagues and th looking at him yesterday, uh, I think as, as early, uh, late as sort of just early afternoon, sorry, that they had last spoken to him via WhatsApp or, or telephone call as well. And as we then reflect there in the community where he lived, some of the neighbours have slowly started to come out as they deal with this news. Absolutely, and, and, and it's one neighbor that's very close to to um, chester's wife maria um, she knows the family very well she's you know they often would come to each other's homes and and, and share coffee or tea together um, and and she was present at that moment in time when when you know at least paid her respects or at least rushed to the hospital at the time when when maria had rushed him to hospital so in essence unfortunately what had happened was Chester had just returned from gym um, came home told his wife maria he's not feeling well um, at that moment in time, she decided and to say to him, let's just take you down to the hospital. And in fact, the hospital that, um, you know, they had been rushed to is a mere 500, 400 meters away from their home. Um, and unfortunately, he had arrived at the hospital, um, you know, having not made it. Um, so with me today, I have um, Rose Adams. And uh, as mentioned, Rose, very close, close friend of Maria. Um, a difficult time for her. You spent a lot of time with her but you know maria you know the family you know chester just from her point of view how difficult must it be for her at this moment in time the community the neighborhood and myself are very saddened by the sad news it's very shocking for us it must be more for maria he was a very caring man he used to do so much for them and all his successes was there not just the successes but the value that is offered and ordered and driven him to be this man of value um, it's very sad for the family because he was a father uh, that loved his family immensely he loved his children immensely and Maria is have to cope with this loss of hers so we want to give our deepest condolences to her and we would promise that we would support her in this difficult time. Absolutely, and I think what you do talk about, Chester, the, the, the father, I remember certainly there was a, an instance whereby I needed to, to get hold of him and talk to him about rugby-related matters. And he had said to me, Justin, I'd love to talk to you. However, I've got to fetch my kids at school, you know, so... He made sure that he was always there for his kids and, 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 and just that loving nature, very quiet man, you know, and, and you talk about his successes, but again, he was never one to talk about his successes. And I mean, just briefly, your interactions with him, you know, what was, what was that? What would your fondest memory be of Chester Williams?
This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, talking about the game, the one game that is on that's keeping a lot of people interested at the moment is, of course, England against Australia in the Ashes. Uh, their problems have just got a little bit deeper because Joffre Archer has just gone for a wide one uh, and uh, has perished. 256 for 8 now. England need another 42 to avoid the follow-on. Make that 38 as uh, Joss Butler just crashes uh, and a cover drive through the on uh, through the offside 4-4. He moves on to 16. Uh, Stuart Broad, he's a walking wicket at the moment, has made his way out to the crease. Uh, disappointing uh, innings that from Jofra Archer. Just seemed to be a little lackadaisical throughout. And England desperately need to avoid this uh, follow-on uh, because the chances of them trying to bat through the rest of today and tomorrow with Australia bowling as they are in these conditions is somewhat minimal. Tom, I, I, I know he's not a batsman, and maybe I'm being a little bit hard on him, but I kind of feel that, that Jofra Archer always seems to be in a bit of a rush when he gets to the pitch. I mean, you know, we, 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 we can't stop speaking about the, the Ben Stokes run chase in the, in the previous test, but I kind of felt that he let Ben Stokes down there where he kind of just needs to sit in, let the other bat, batsman take the strike and, and play it. He always seems to want to come in and be the man, and today he did exactly the same thing. So I think it's something that he needs to work on. I know he's not there for his batting. He's there for his bowling. But I kind of feel he could actually contribute a lot more with the bat if he was just great a bit more as pa- well. That's yeah, exactly. You know, he was more patient. He scored a lot of first-class runs for Sussex. He was uh, he, he set out as a batsman, a batsman first and foremost when uh, in his in his youth. I know he's very young anyway, but in his youth he's he was he was known for his batting. So yeah, there is no reason why he shouldn't be seen as something of a genuine all-rounder. But um, much like Stuart Broad as well, he just seems to have sort of given up on his batting and concentrate fully on his uh, on his bowling. So strange times. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Ross Christ is alongside us here and uh, that's good news because I want to ask him about the FIBA Basketball World Cup. Uh, I've been having plenty of conversations with friends, Serbian friends, Filipino friends, Italian friends, all want to talk basketball with me at the moment. Uh, how big, I mean, I was going to ask how big a thing is the FIBA Basketball World Cup, which is currently ongoing over in China. Obviously, it's a big thing because I suppose Whilst the NBA is, it dominates basketball worldwide, this is an opportunity for other nations to have their time in the sun. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, United States are the heavy favorites coming into any basketball competition. We're just so loaded and deep with basketball talent back home. But when it comes to World Cup time, we see a lot of these other teams, the Spains, Greece's, France, uh, France's of the world, come together and play quite well, Argentina as well. So there's a lot of other talent out there, and it's good that the game is spreading globally. I mean, we don't want to see American dominance year after year. It would be nice to see a little bit more competition. We saw Australia take off, pick off America a little bit earlier earlier this year to break their win streak in an exhibition game. But, yeah, it it is America being the heavy favorites. This year, the American team is a little bit light on all-star talent, only having two all-stars on the teams. Don't get me wrong. They're full of NBA-caliber guys that can get you rebounds, buckets, and blocks, but um, coached by Greg Popovich. But this team is not quite what an Olympic team would be. It seems like the NBA players right now put a little bit more onus on the Olympics than they do the World Cup. But um, it, it, it should be it should be noted that United States are the heavy favourites going into it. A couple of games uh, that have concluded uh, today, uh, a little earlier on today. Canada uh, beating Jordan convincingly in their latest uh, group game, uh, and Australia overcoming the Dominican Republic. But that one's a little one, a little uh, closer than that. 82 to 76, it finished up in that particular game. So we'll keep an eye on the games in that one. And if any of our Filipino listeners want to call in and talk basketball and their progress. At the World Cup, please do. Yeah, I mean, well, one guy that we have on the line, but we're just going to wait one second. He's done a little bit of the international basketball scene himself, played a couple years for the Sacramento Kings, but reinvented himself this year in Ice Cube's Big Three League, and he's showing he still has some left in the tank. They can to win the game. What a move by Sessions. Great block, though, on the weak side by Jay Rich. Green for the win. Game! game. Killer game. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce you my friend, friend of the show, Dante Green. Dante, thanks for joining us, buddy. How y'all doing? Uh, we're doing good, bud. We're doing good. It's got to be early for you on the East Coast, so I appreciate you getting up right now for us. But Dante, we just played your clip right there. 
You, you knocked down the three for the killer threes this year. It was quite the season for your team, making it to the championship of the big three. How did it feel to be playing out there with that team this year? Oh, it felt great. Um, you know, I took a year off of basketball and, and kind of tried to uh, had some had some personal issues that I needed to deal with, but uh, you know, got back into some shape and, and got a chance to go out there and play with a bunch of former pros, former NBA guys, and uh, it was great, man. We had a lot of fun this summer. Yeah, and you mentioned the former NBA guys. I mean, you look up and down this league. There's NBA talent on every single roster, including yours. I mean, for us basketball junkies that just love the game, do you do you believe that this league can can I wouldn't say rival uh, the NBA because it plays in its off season, but gives us an alternative to watch. Do you think it has some staying power? The big three. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. You know, it was just, this is the third year um, being around, and uh, you know, it gets better every year. This year was the biggest year, of course, being on CBS, um, nationally nationally televised station um, here in America, and uh, it was just huge, man. The turnouts that we had, the, 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 it was just about every city we went, went to was almost sold out, and, uh, you know, my team was fortunate enough to make it to the championship game, and L.A. was phenomenal, man. Just the energy that was in the building, the, the fans were really into it. You know, they came early. They knew who who was playing who and what was going on. It was just, it was great, man. It was, it was, it was a, a good time. And I couldn't help but notice on the sidelines, you had one of the NBA greats, one of the NBA legends of all time coaching you this year, Charles Oakley, an eccentric guy. He's played many years, but I remember him best with the New York Knicks. How was it playing for him? It was good, man. It, was, it really was like he brought that, that 90s basketball to, to the big three. You know, we, we played hard. We were scrappy. We fought every game. Um, you know, we were one of the younger teams, so we – we had, uh, you know, guys that was out there that could just, you know, run around. And it was we had a bunch of energy uh, guys that were really in, in some good shape. So it was it was good, man. And Charles Oakley is a legend, like you said. Uh, you know, just being able to learn from him and, 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 and get a chance to talk to him every day, man. It was, it was great, man. It was definitely a dream come true. One thing that this league, I think, d- d- does phenomenal is it, the, the team you lost to in the championship, the triplets, were coached by Lisa Leslie. The team that won it in 2018 was, was coached by Nancy Lieberman, the power. It seems like the big three is really empowering females and getting them in leadership roles in this league, uh, something maybe the NBA could do more of. Yeah, for sure. You know, you see the NBA now hiring a lot of uh, women as their assistants, and I think within the next year or two, there's going to be a woman, um, a woman, excuse me, a woman as a head coach in the NBA. Uh, just, you know, the league, every, the world itself, everywhere is, is, is growing. And, you know, women definitely have the ability, especially greats like Nancy women and Lisa Leslie. Lisa Leslie, they have that, that experience and, and that knowledge to definitely go into the men's side and, and do well. And you see how Nancy and, and, and Lisa have done uh, the last two years in the big three. So it, it, it's coming and, you know, it was, it was good. We wanted to win for sure, but, uh, you know, definitely kudos to the Triplets. Yeah, looking at that tri- Triplets roster, one of the, the, the hardest guy to defend it looked like in that championship game. It seemed like everyone had trouble was Joe Johnson, one of their captains, an NBA great, 38 years old, but he looked young out there. He was, a, he was one of the best players in the league. And now there's some rumors swirling that Big Shot Joe might be heading back to the NBA. Do you potentially see that happening? And do you think in the future we might be seeing some more guys from the Big Three reinvent themselves then head back over to the NBA? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it just depends on what, uh, you know, what, what the guys have in mind or, or what their their situation is. I know for sure Joe Johnson was, you know, he's been retired for a year. Not necessarily retired, but he didn't play in the NBA for a year. Um but, you know, like, like you said, he still has a lot less entertainment. He looked good. Um, he's definitely, you know, uh, one of the top scorers in the, in the NBA, even with him not even playing. So, um, you know, when you can put that ball in the basket, man, sky's the limit. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he looks good. And, and um, you know, you never know what could happen in the future. But uh, the league is definitely growing, and um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good look. 
I want to turn our attention to the international basketball scene, something that you've been a part of. You represented the United States in the under-19s back in Serbia and uh, the under-18s in San Antonio because we are in the World Cup right now. The United States had a bit of a hiccup um, against an Australia in an exhibition game. Looking at this United States team, there's only two all-stars on the team. A lot of guys decided to sit at home, such as James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, all the big names. Do you think this U.S. team still has enough strength to get that gold medal? I think so. Um, you know, we, we, we started off shaky, lost to Australia, had a tough overtime game. Uh, I think that was against Turkey. Um, but, you know, we're, like you said, we're, we're, it's, it's the young guys, so they're figuring out. But the young guys are definitely still talented enough, I think, to, to get it done. And, you know, you, you have the legendary Coach Pop coaching them, um, probably said it is. So, you know, I, I, I think that, that they'll be fine. They have a, a big test today, um, which I woke up early for, to against Greece. Um, you know, Giannis is, is the reigning MVP in the NBA, so, you know, he, he has a lot to prove in, in this World Cup to himself. So, uh, you know, I think it should be a good game this morning, but um, USA definitely should, should get it together and, and, and go get this goal. Yeah, hopefully coming from a U.S. Uh, mindset. But you, you mentioned Giannis. I just love watching this guy play night in, night out. What do you see in his game that you like the most? Because he has so many aspects of his game that makes him the MVP. But what aspect of his game do you think he just does better than everyone else in the league? Um, I don't know necessarily what he's, uh, if, it's, if it's what he does better, but it's, it's just his, his hunger, his drive, his determination. He, um, you know, he's a he's a guy that that proves a lot of the times that that hard work beats talent. You know, um, he's a very hard worker. As, you know, people have said he's been working out with Kobe the last past couple of summers, and you know, he works this works out this place and that place. And how many hours does he work out? He's just just a hard worker. And um, you know, you can't you can't hate on a guy who who has that drive in him, man. And, and you know, he just. It's crazy because we look at pitches when he first came in the league to now. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. You know, the weight room and, and, and just his game itself. So it's and it's continuing to get better every year. So once I think once he gets that jump shot, man, it's it's gonna be over. Like he's already shooting now, but once he really gets it and gets comfortable with it, man, it's, it's gonna be scary. Yeah, I mean, certainly is. He he seems to have all aspects of that game besides that jump shot. But when that comes on, just like you said, it will be scary. Let's bring the attention back to you, Dante. I've been a friend of the show now, a friend of mine for a while. I saw a, a, a little bit, uh, God, I'm not sure exactly when, but on your social media, you, you seemed just a little bit down, maybe a little bit lost this year, and then the big three came came calling, and it kind of kind of reinvented your career a bit. Where do you see yourself going from here? Will you be back in the league next year? Uh, I don't know. That's my, my goal. Um, I would love to finish in the NBA, I started there. Uh, my oldest son was 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 born my first year in the NBA, so he's older now and he understands. And I would love to get back there for my kids to see me play. But uh, you know, whatever whatever the big fella upstairs has in store for me, I'm I'm ready for. But I'm I'm out here working and and I'm hungry again. I have that fire back in me, so it's uh it's it's, it's should be interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Dante Green. You can follow him on Instagram at DDS underscore four. Dante, thanks for getting up early, big guy, and taking the time out for us. I appreciate it. No problem, no problem. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. See you. Big thanks, Dante. Big thanks to uh, Ross for doing that one for us. Uh, we'll keep you posted on all the live sports stories throughout the course of the next few hours. Remember, we're live down to Yas Island as well to catch up with Chris McCarty and, of course, Mr. Robbie Greenfield, the head of UFC 242. Plenty more to look forward to before then. Uh, let's get uh, take a short break. When we come back, I'll put you in the picture of what's happening in the... This movie. is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. England need 22 to avoid the follow-on on day four of the fourth test match. Australia very much in control in this game at the moment. Uh, England needing 22 to follow uh, to avoid the follow-on. Uh, Joss Butler's 25 not out. Stuart Broad's out there as well. Two not out. Is that rugby finished, the Australia game? The rugby is finished, Tom. What I can tell you, Australia have won their warm-up game. They've beaten Samoa 34 points to 15. Of course, later on this afternoon, Ireland take on Wales in that World Cup warm-up. And then, of course, on the west side, it's Canada. Canada taking on the United States of America.
Uh, plenty going on stateside with the start of a brand new NFL season. Uh, the openers have been keeping uh, our friend and yours, Ross Chris, uh, up nice and late and getting up, up early in the morning as well. We'll talk more about that. Uh, looking forward to the forthcoming season? Oh, I'm already, I'm already there, Tom, because we already had our first game of the season with the Green Bay Packers going against the Chicago Bears. And boy, it was a defensive battle out there. It was 10-3. Packers came out on top. Trubisky, the quarterback for Chicago, did not play that well in this. So when he went 25, 26 for 45, 228 yards in an INT, the Chicago offense really just couldn't get moving in this one. And I see the Bears in for a grim fate this year. Also, I really didn't like the Packers all that much, but we'll see where they go. They have Aaron Rodgers on behind uh, behind the center there. But the whole entire NFL, baby, it's back. I can't, you know, I love all my American sport, but I think this one goes on top of my Mount Rushmore for Ross Chris in the Chris household. It's up there, is it? it? it well, it's certainly being from Pittsburgh, winning the Super Bowl six times, more, more than any other team tied with the New England Patriots, might have something to do with it. But... It's just great having football back on a Sunday, well, or for us early Monday morning. Uh, so I know you work closely with the with the the, the leagues here as well, and uh, uh, the, the American football leagues here in the region. Are they a similar sort of season uh, in terms of timings here? Yeah, we do it a little bit uh, a little bit later because it's just a little bit hot right now to uh, to to start the football game. So they start about I think in October. But one man who will definitely know the answer to that, the man. With the plan, we're joined now by a friend of mine, Michael Anderson, the president, the CEO, the godfather, the the, the head dog in charge of the Emirates Gridiron League. That's right. That's a brand new league you're hearing through your radio speaker. It's the Emirates Gridiron League. Michael, thanks for coming on the show, bud. Thank you. So we've had, in the past, the last six years or so, we've had the EAFL. And, Correct. And I, you know, I've been a part of that. You've been a part of that. You've been... A C-level player on that team. <laughs> That's pull, cold. Pull, pulling in some... No, Michael has been a w- nice wide receiver for the Dubai Barracudas. Many years for the Barracudas. A, b- a big key for them on their team offense and defense. But then this year, you decided to come up with a new concept. And that's yes. the Emirates Great Iron League. And please, Correct. tell us a little bit about this concept. Yeah, I mean, we... Um, it's... Together with the EFL, almost we decided that um, it might be a good idea to split the men's football from uh, the kids' football, and um, I um, I was very interested in doing the uh, men's football part of it. So we um, we literally agreed to uh, to just split it up pretty much. So the EGL is now American football for adults only, and the EAFL is just doing the kids' football only. So we don't have. Um, you know, to worry about uh, parents and all the other stuff, we are dealing with men, and uh, it makes it a lot easier. So, so yeah, that's the concept behind it. The, it's pretty much the same as before, but uh, there are a lot of changes that we've been trying to improve on. And you mentioned some of the improvements. What can we expect to see out of this league compared to the last league? What are some things that you're going to pride yourselves on this year? Definitely the um, the overall experience, but also the uh, the, the media production of it. We've uh, if you go to our Instagram profile, we've we've spent a lot of money and a lot of effort on making it look, you know, almost NFL quality. We uh, we do a lot out of the the whole video production, um, making sure it looks good, and uh, we're actually uh, in the process of doing a uh, almost like a documentary at the moment. Yeah. So we've been doing the first two test episodes, um, and the first real episode will probably be out tomorrow, where we will. Uh, you know, we mic'd up some of the players at practice, some of the coaches. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot to be cut out. <laughs> um, so uh, we mic'd them up, and, and we've been doing some, uh, some cool shots as well. So we're trying to promote it, and we're trying to make it look, you know, amazing. And, uh, yeah, so that's one of the things. And we have how many, how many teams, and where are the teams from in the leagues this year? So right now we have four teams. We got um, one in Alain. Uh, we got one in Abu Dhabi, and then we got two here in Dubai. And do we expand? Do, do we plan on expanding? Maybe in the future, are we going to stick with four right now? We, we're going to stick with four now this season. Um, it's it's very difficult to, you know, it's not a very well known sport here. So getting more players is very difficult. You know, there are some guys that, you know, play rugby that want to try it, or, you know, we, we're doing some marketing, but it's still not a very well known sport here. 
Just for our listeners out there, looking at the fixture list, what can we expect this season? Is it a kind of a home and away uh, fixture list, or does it work into a playoff, or, or how are you planning on, 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 what should I rather say, managing the league for the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah. so we start, the first game is going to be the oh, no, 18th of October, I think it is, um, and that's the first game. Um, the, the way we're playing it is there will be obviously regular season games, and then we'll go into a semi-final game, and then lead to the final, which will be in March, um, which is, yeah. And if you haven't been out for that, that'll be March 20th. Correct. Uh, for those of you writing that on your calendar, because um, it's definitely on mine. Now, we've, we've seen a transition from the old league to the new league. There's some characters from the old league, some guys that you just see on these sidelines and you say, all right, they, they kind of help the league. One of these guys, Alain coached Johnny Sharp. I look for him on the sidelines barking at his players. Um, he is quite... Uh, quite an amusing character. Can we expect to see him? Can we expect to see uh, Vivaldi Talese on um, uh, for the Abu Dhabi team? Can we expect to see some of these guys who are in the past league moving over to your league? Well, yes, definitely. Most of the players that and coaches from before have moved over. There has been some changes. Uh, coach Sharp was supposed to be a coach this year, but uh, unfortunately he had to move back to uh, the States, which is uh, very sad because we were preparing for a whole bunch of stuff with him. He was also one of the guys that was going to be in the, uh, the whole documentary because he is quite a character. Um, so he was going to be in it. But actually, John Hollitz has uh, stepped up and is now the head coach. So he's uh, rallying the guys in Alain now. Um, but yeah, we're also going to have Vivaldi, which you know is probably one of the best players to ever play down here. Um, he's going to play again. Um, and then we got uh, Luke Norrie. Uh, we got you know Christian Ridley, um, some of those guys, some some really really talented guys. Right. Yeah. And now let's just transition over to the NFL because I know you keep your eye a little bit on the NFL. Hearing yeah. some, hearing some craziness coming out of Oakland as of late. Antonio Brown, he's just been all over the place. He's suspended. He's not suspended. He's frozen his feet. He didn't freeze his feet. He's uh, he's in the GM's face, yelling uh, you know things at him. Where, where do you see this uh, situation playing out? Do you see uh, him coexisting in Oakland, or do you see him be, getting shown the the door in his pink slip here pretty soon? I have to admit, I'm not the uh, I'm not the most knowledgeable person about the NFL, to be honest. I, I like watching it, but uh, I did watch uh, a lot about this Oakland Raiders and uh, and Hard Knocks this season. Um, I, I, I don't. I, honestly, I, I know there was a whole thing about the feet. Uh, whatever cryo chamber thing he did and then there was a thing about the helmet um, that it, he wanted to use a shot helmet that was a certain thing and it was too old and whatever that was and now there's something else I, I don't know I mean the problem is he's probably one of the best receivers ever so you know do you do you stick around with it or do you uh, get rid of him yeah. NFL opening uh, openers uh, this weekend. We'll talk more about that and, of course, look ahead to the season in front of us in just a few moments' time. Uh, time, though, has just gone past 4 o'clock. We've got to get back to the studio when we come back. We will continue the conversation uh, with the team down here. You're listening to The Grill. We're live from Barasti at Barasti Beach. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.